I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sometimes in your own town, you don't notice things that are right there under your nose. The Huron Cemetery in KCK is most likely one of those places. Diane Houston and I sit down this month and take a look at the Huron Cemetery and the impact that it's had on Kansas City. Well, I think anytime you go to KCK, you're going for a couple of different reasons, right? You're going for Strawberry Hill. Maybe you're going on the KCK Taco Tour, which is fantastic. But also, Diane, sometimes you're going to the 7th Street Casino and you may see a cemetery <laughs> nearby and you're probably like, who's buried in that cemetery? But again, as we seemingly see every month here, there's always a big, long story about something that maybe doesn't uh, doesn't need it, to have a big, long story. It should just be accepted for being a cemetery and everybody should leave it alone. Yeah, you think that people would leave cemeteries alone because of the danger of, I, I think back to, there was a great piece that was up from the 1980s, the old Catholic cemetery, downtown Kansas City, like Quality Hill neighborhood. And, you know, they moved all the bodies in like the 1880s from the burial ground and they didn't get everybody. <laughs> so you don't want to just, they actually d- dug up a parking lot and they went, whoops. And so they turned over these remains to the Catholic uh, diocese and then they reburied him at Mount St. Mary's Cemetery. Like this is you don't want to just exhume people and cross your fingers. Yeah. So I don't I feel like that's just not good for your it's not good juju. You know what I mean? Just not it, good. No, it really isn't. And so we're talking about the the Huron Cemetery that is yeah. in Kansas City, Kansas. It's a piece of the Wyandotte tribe's history in mm-hmm. Kansas. And I think before we talk about how you ended up, you know, buried in the cemetery, this was a yeah. tribe that kind of just moved to Kansas because the government said Here's money. Here's land. Go for it. Leave Ohio. Yeah, they they definitely they were they were sold out in 1843, like all the tribes. I mean, and the real settlement of tribes into Kansas territory at the time was the eight. It started 1829, 1830. The Delaware were relocated um, for one tribe. And, and so the Wyandotte joined them in 1843. And so essentially in 1842, they ceded their lands in Ohio and Michigan. It's not like they were given an option. It's like, get out. And so mm-hmm. 148,000 acres of land. And they're like, we'll give you $17,000 a year in annuities. So an annuities payment essentially to an, to the to the nation would have meant giving it to the tribal re- leaders and then having Indian agents uh, take the, the money and allocate it per family, per male, whatever. Um, and ensure that people had survival. But they had to also come to the area and figure out where they were going to land. And uh, there were already tribes here, and it's not like they all got along. So, you know, it, 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 this is an intense period of history that we shouldn't 
pun intended, you know, pun intended, Barry, but, but it is extremely important to the history of the area. This all started in July, 1843. And, and surprisingly, you know, Wyandotte, we, we have a lot of things named for Wyandotte, Wyandotte mm-hmm. County, the Wyandotte nation. We think about these things. So Wyandotte's pretty well known, you know, in the area, but it was a pretty small tribe. Um, 664 Wyandotte were removed. And when they came to the area, they were camping in lowlands, which is never a good idea disease. Um, they camped in the lowlands and within no, like within months, 60 of them had died. And so they go to the, just like, you know, anybody does, you don't bury in a lowland, you bury, you know, or next to a river, (laughs) you bury high. And so they went to the highest point, um, overlooking the Kansas river and buried their, their people. And that was the beginning of what is now Huron Indian cemetery in KCK crazy it, it really is an interesting story because the, the name huron you probably think you yeah. know was just the name of the tribe that came here that wasn't it the french mm. gave the huron tribe that name because i guess in france the the name huron resembles uh means wild boar and they thought yeah. that's kind of what the hair looked like that the yeah. uh, the native americans had and so that's how they came with the name huron isn't it yeah so wyandotte yeah the wyandotte tribe was nicknamed by the french uh you know trappers and traders um, much earlier, the, you know, Huron, which in French means wild boar, not like the sausage, but the actual animal. <laughs> and so in any case, they they named him after that. And it was because they had Mohawks at the time that styled uh, that was very much it looked like the bristles of a wild boar, apparently. And so that stuck. And I'd like to say that also kind of isn't it's a, I'm going to say derogatory term, but it's not exactly it's not like it's part of their you know, culture and heritage. Um, and, the, you know, the fact that it's even called the Huron Cemetery on a marker, like it's a big marker is kind of, that's not really what they want it to be called. They want it to, you know, be called the Wyandotte National Burial Ground. And it's not, but, you know, so whoever paid for it didn't care, apparently. I mean, big surprise there. Yeah. So they get buried there. And then within very short amount of time, within a year in 1844, there was a big cholera epidemic everywhere. And so was 1849. There was a big one in 1844 and a hundred more of them die. So at this point they've moved and they've lost 20% of their tribe. That's, that's crazy. A, that, that's a huge number. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a, especially, you know, back then when, you know, we didn't have as many people walking the earth as we do now to lose 20% of your tribe. That's a big number. It's a huge number. And, and they also had a lot of allies. And, and one of the reasons that the Wyandotte nation was able to negotiate different than a lot of the other tribes that came to the area was because they were considered, you know, um, they, they were a civilized tribe Mm -hmm. by this point, they weren't walking around with wild boar Mohawks at this point, you know, they're dressing like white people. They're, you know, they're, they're farming, um, they're not going out to to search out pelts and peltry or anything like that. They are, you know, they're speaking English. Um, they've already kind of lost a lot of their cultural heritage at this point. And so that actually g- gave them a, a little bit of a step up from other tribes, though, because they trusted them to actually do what they said that what they were going to do. And so. In 1854, which is, of course, right, the border wars start because of all this, too. In 1854, it becomes a serious issue that, oh, here we go again. We're going to kick them off their land. Shocking. So they're going to open up Kansas for legal white settlement, if you will. And and so they're like, okay, it's time for you to go. They hadn't been, they were here for 12 years. <laughs> like, bye. See you later. I mean, it's crazy. And, and and they say, and just to give you an idea of the the perplexity of like how these tribes kind of melded together, 
is that by the time they, they say that between 1844 and 1855, about 400 people were buried in the cemetery, they would have not all been Native Americans because this tribe, because they were already kind of um, civilized, also didn't necessarily look the way you think a Native American would. They'd already mixed for generations with white folk, if you will. A lot of them French Canadians. This sounds familiar. Um, so they're not going to look like you're probably thinking either. And so a lot of them had allies within the white community that also kind of just came along for the ride. So there were, were more than just Native Americans buried there. So after 12 years, they're going to remove them again. And so the leaders of the tribe at the time were trying to negotiate what this looked like. And the second clause, the section of the treaty actually read, the portion now enclosed and used as a public burial ground shall be permanently reserved and appropriated for that purpose. It was in their treaty. Mm -hmm. So you can tell that's pretty important to them that if we're leaving, we're leaving behind our ancestors on this hill, leave them alone. Right. <laughs> like, which which to me is, is shocking in and of itself that you have to say that and you have to leave that in, in a treaty in in whatever kind of documents you sign to leave the dead alone. I, I guess I just don't quite understand. I don't get it either. Well, not just that, but throughout this whole process of, of, of this podcast that we've been doing for a couple of years now, Diane, why did everybody just let the white man be a bully over everybody else and just do what he wanted to do in this country? Like I'm reading this article that you wrote and I'm like, good Lord, like everybody mm -hmm. just, I don't want to say let, but the white man just went out there and bullied everybody like they own the place and far from it. You're right. And it's, you know, I mean, kind of the root of white privilege in a way. We've been doing this for years because we took our customs from Europe, which was you buy land, you buy title to a land, a piece of land, you earn money. Money is a is certainly a European custom. Um, you you do these things and, and it shows a status symbol if you own land and the more expensive land got people were moving west, you know, and mm -hmm. so land in Kansas was going to be super cheap because they just stole it from the Native Americans basically for a hundred and whatever thousand dollars. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it's it's the history of our history and it gets worse because it keeps going west. It's not like this just this kept happening because the custom of actually buying land, Native Americans never thought that the, there was anything such as owning land land belonged to everybody right and so that was a foreign custom they had to adopt to because or adapt to because that's what started happening the minute that you know i'm not even going to say like since white settlement began in um, the americas and they just kept doing it and they and they introduced them to all sorts of customs that we can't believe that were part of the white man's customs including slavery well and, and i think I one of the, mean, the, the the more like eye-opening thing for me is that uh, Franklin Pierce, president at the time, quote unquote, allowed mm -hmm. the Wyandots become citizens because of how yeah. civilized they became. Mm -hmm. And they were mixing with 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 the white man culture. And and like, yeah. I'm reading all that. I'm going, wait a second here. That's not how you Doesn't determine whether or not who becomes American, because nobody because is from America. <laughs> Everybody no, moved here. Every single person on planet Earth that lives in the United States of America came from isn't somewhere. from here. It came from somewhere else. And you know, we just got back from New York and Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty and, and going Love to it. Ellis Island and seeing how everybody, mm -hmm. you know, immigrated into the United States. Like, where's the white guy get off saying what you have to do and what you don't have to do when this land has been a melting pot? In fact, the Native Americans were here long before the for the uh, before the white man was.
Absolutely. And again, they didn't think that they owned or had title to anything of the sort of land. And then why do I have to adapt my customs and cultures? We were scared of their customs and cultures because they were foreign to us. And people don't like to, and this is true today, Bob, we know this. I mean, people don't like to change, right? They just don't, they don't like change. They don't like people that disagree with them. They don't like things that are foreign to them. So it's like, oh, you're, oh, we already made you Christian. So now you're cool. Okay. We've already changed you to farmers. So now you're cool. Oh, even better. You've married into, you know, white ancestry. Cool. Those are the things that they were looking at because it what they didn't want to fight. They didn't want a literal fight. And, and even, don't forget they 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 use Native Americans when they needed to, like in wars. They used them when they could as pawns. And 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 it's terrible. And, and you can see why the people in the nations that do exist today to to preserve their customs and ancestry and it's dwindling over time because there's a lot of of course problems on on Indian reservations even today, but. It, they're in danger of losing all of that culture because they have done nothing but indoctrinate themselves into ours into so, what we are. Right. You know? And 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 that's that's not what the United States was all about no. when people first started coming over here is, you know, do you, do you, do you. And now we're trying to assimilate, make everybody into into one basically, you know, you know, s- simple package that everybody's going to be the same. And I, I just don't think that's the way it should have been done. But it was done that way. And it, was, now, it is what it is. It is what it is. Right. And yeah. and here and, and here we sit some 12 years later. You know, yeah. the, the Wyandotte tribes became citizens of the United States of America. They start to develop their town. Uh, you know, one thing leads to another. People start to die. And we still got the cemetery that people are going, hey, what are we doing? Because as the town's growing, now this yeah. is becoming valuable land, like a golf course in the middle of Overland Park. Yeah. And to be clear, it's not like the Wyandotte nation of the Native Americans were the ones that plotted that town. It was the white men that had moved in. So in 1859, the Wyandotte City Town Company, I love like, oh, we'll name it after you at least. But but they plotted an area with roads going right through the cemetery. So their plan all along was like, we'll just we'll make this happen somehow. So it, it, of course, eventually becomes Kansas City, Kansas. And as real estate started getting more expensive and, you know, Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, growth and development, they started. And of course, then the Wyandotte Nation has been literally axed of their tribe. So there's two things that kind of happened simultaneously is that uh, they told, as you said before, Pierce gave them an option. You can come become United States citizens and we will give you land. They did the same thing for Shawnee as well. We'll give you, you know, an an allotment of land that you can, you can live on. You can sell it to whatever, but we're going to give you a land allotment or you can resettle into what now of course is Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And so they give them this idea, this, this, this choice. And a lot of the Wyandotte nation stayed and then several groups left and one of them that leaves at this time and it become the the burial ground had slowed and they had made it a public burial ground so anybody could be buried there in 1866 so this split happens with the tribes there's this guy named silas armstrong his father was actually in one of the the wyandotte chiefs buried in the cemetery he's down in oklahoma chilling with his people and they all of a sudden realized that that this land is worth a lot of money. And and as streets were graded, what happens, of course, when streets are graded to make them flatter, of course, is that the cemetery is like almost up in the air, which is kind of if you go down there, it's like a mound. 
you know, but not an Indian mound like that. Mm -hmm. So, so they are planning ahead that they're going to, they want to sell this land. And of course the, the Indian chief or the former Indian chief down in, in, in Oklahoma goes, Oh, how much you want for this? You know? And this, he, he, his father was buried there and he's like, we'll sell. Cool. Let's do this. We'll just move all of these graves 500 600 700 people we'll move them down to oklahoma we'll build a big monument and call it good and now he's related to people that stayed in kansas city or this area and they're like whoa wait a minute we've been maintaining this cemetery you're not no we're no this is an absolutely non-negotiable no and so at the time in 1890 there's about 50 families 250 people part of the nation in indian territory and then there's the group that kind of of course now there are probably even more uh, i hate to say it but they've in in they've um, married into white families and things like that. So they're, they don't, again, they're kind of living within Kansas City, Kansas, just like anybody else would be. So they decided the people in Oklahoma were like, we'll get our tribal status updated, make sure that we're tribal status. So we can actually legally vote to decide whether we're going to sell this land back in Kansas City, Kansas. And they did it without telling the people in Kansas City, Kansas, mm. the ones that are also related to them, that they were going to do this because they didn't want them to vote because they would have said no. And so why would they do that? It's all about money. And so they made sure that the people that lived in Kansas City, Kansas weren't part of that decision making. But nothing really happens until about 1899. And then they talk about this again, destroying the cemetery. And a guy who I actually have read thoroughly, his name's William L. C. Connolly. He was Kansas City's historian. He actually bought part of William Clark Quantrill's remains, swear to mm -hmm. God, owned his remains and like moved him to Topeka <laughs> for a while. So anyway, he's a historian of the border wars, like super. Why would you think a historian, why would he want anything to do with removing an Indian cemetery? He was behind it because he was given power of attorney by the Native American tribe in Oklahoma, which means he would have made money off of it. And so people are like losing their minds. And this one lady named Eliza Burton Conley, she was known as Lida. Lida was born in 1869. Her parents came from Ohio, so they were one of the people that came. And her grandma came with her, and her name was Hannah. Um, and they were all buried there, her parents and her grandmother, um, at Huron, or the, the burial ground. And it's kind of cool. Her great-grandfather's name was Isaac Zane, and he was actually captured. He was white man. He was captured um, back in Ohio when he was nine years old and indoctrinated into the Wyandotte tribe. And later he married in 1795, he married the chief's daughter. And I love this because he married the chief's daughter and the chief is the one who actually kidnapped him when he was nine. <laughs> so he married the enemy. Wow. Anyway, so it was really cool because then after he, you know, all this happened, the, the story was kind of like one of those romantic Western stories of Native Americans. And it was made into a book that was quite popular in the early 1900s um, that I think is just kind of a cool story. But so anyway, Lida wants to protect the family and this girl mm -hmm. ain't messing around. <laughs> she's kind of, she's, you look her up. She's got some good pictures out there. So she wants to protect the cemetery. So she actually enrolls. She's like, I'll go to law school. <laughs> like, that's Which is crazy back in the day. Yes. Just deciding to have the wherewithal to go to law school. At the turn of the century. At the turn of the century. We're talking like 1902 here. Mm -hmm. So she enrolls in law school at Kansas City University. That's precursor to UMKC. And she graduates in 1902 and becomes the first ever woman admitted to the Kansas bar. 
which is a great story in and of itself. And I'm sure that could Story's be another over. podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, exactly. right. Yeah. yeah. So in oh, 19- no, she's not done. Yeah, she's not done. Oh, this woman ain't done. So in 1906, Congress passes a bill that they're like going to go ahead and sell the cemetery. I love how Congress gets involved. Oh, we'll just decide for everybody. Mm-hmm. And they're going to move everybody to Quindaro Cemetery. That's their plan. And Lida's like, oh, hell no. So Lida, no. So she files an injunction in the district court and against also the Secretary of the Interior in the Indian Affairs and says, you're not doing this. Well, so, you know, the court system doesn't work exactly overnight. We sure know that. So she's waiting around and Lida and her two sisters, including her sister Helena, and she's a character, they take upon themselves to go ahead and defend the Huron Indian Cemetery or the Wyandotte Burial Ground um, themselves. And the newspapers started rec- like like referencing it as Fort Conley. The cemetery is Fort Conley because it had a it had a gate around it, mm-hmm. and they padlocked the gate, wouldn't let anybody in. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, you you talk about women it. like standing up for what's right and doing what's right for themselves. That's fantastic. Yeah. So this starts in 1906. Helena was said to like curse people. I'm sorry. It's just it's, I it's can so imagine funny, it. though. Like, Being what kind so of curse, scared you know? of this lady? Yeah. So she was said to put curses on people wanting to harm the cemeteries. So everybody's like, oh, God, like I might die because of this. So as this this sale is possibly pending and this injunction had been filed and she's waiting, they padlock the gates. They build over their mother's grave. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> they build the six by eight hut. They legit live there in the six by eight hut with a gun ready to catch anybody that would bother to try to get remove them from the cemetery. So no wonder they called it Fort Conley on the, there were signs all around the cemetery that said trespass at your peril. Cause they were going to mm-hmm. shoot you if you entered, I mean, like no joke. So it takes three years and it goes all the way to the Supreme court and the Supreme court hears it. And of course we screw this one up and I, why we, I mean the white folk again. So it gets all the way to the Supreme court. She's the first native American woman ever to, argue a case in front of the supreme court like i'm not talking about of kansas i mean of the united states and she's the second female ever to try a case in front of them this woman's awesome she's amazing but she lost (laughs) (laughs) except for that but so so she refused to still she's like i'm still going to protect this cemetery she was arrested often for disturbing the peace Mm -hmm. um lots of words spread but she was going to do her part and so she's able to still do her thing for until 1912 when a Kansas senator by the name of Charles Curtis, who was a Caw Indian, he was a descendant of the Caw Indian. So now they have an ally in Congress. He wants to save the cemetery. He's like, we can't lose this. This is too, this is, we can't do this. And so he took the bill to Congress to say that cemetery, the cemetery should be a national monument. And national can, you can, if it's a national monument, it, it can't be destroyed by law. Right. Now that's different than national register. You can destroy, it's like talk about KCK and Sour Castle. Like, unfortunately that does not protect you from, not getting rid of what's there. So the House of Indian Affairs issues a bill that actually does protect the cemetery. And it's like, yay, that's so exciting. So she spends her whole life protecting it. She dies in 1946. She's buried there. And if you go there, you notice, you think there's thousands of people buried there at this point. And you don't really see that many headstones. Mm -hmm. So they only know as much as they know. Um, So you just have to imagine that the space is sacred because there are people below you you that don't have markers. Um, so in 1946, after she died, they, of course, the minute she dies, they're like, all right, let's sell it again. (laughs) She's gone. (laughs) Yeah. She can't say anything. Um, and the descendants though fought again and won. 
So in 19, uh, and I should mention too, her sister uh, Helena died in 1958. She was the last one to to pass away. And and if you go to the cemetery, you have to look for a stone because her headstone reads, "Cursed be the villain who molests their grave." <laughs> What's that on their grave? But it probably worked. I mean, are you going to go and like dig her up or? Dig- I'm staying away from Helena. I think she's uh, she's bad news. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going near. I'm not going and digging up any grave anywhere. I I just think it's it, 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 it's ridiculous to even have that thought, regardless of how valuable the land is. And we're all the way now into almost 2023. And the cemetery is still there where it rightfully belongs. It is. And it's so cute. And it, it, it's one of those things you go to it. Like I said, you almost have to, you have to climb a staircase to get up there because the roads around it have been graded. And it, it is. It's it's amazing. It, it It's amazing. It's still there. And it's it's just such a it is a really peaceful spot, too, in the middle, because you can when you're up on the up there, like actually looking at the land, you can kind of hear the city just mm-hmm. a little bit. But it's also like tree covered so it's kind of it's like almost being like central park in new york city that's what it reminds me of so yeah so in 1971 it was put on the national register and then they put in 2016 the national historic landmark was given into it um but it was under the name wyandotte national burial ground but then they put a they erected a lovely entrance to it that says huron burial ground yeah so so much so so much for listening to the tribe but what's interesting too about this is that i mean i'm not i'm not a big gambler we don't really i don't think you really are into that either maybe sports betting here and there but sure in general i'm not a gambler but and and when i think of kck i don't think of the seventh street casino but i do in the head i can hear the commercial (laughs) right now sure you know, and and you wonder like, oh, why not? So they have a casino in the middle of downtown KCK and a cemetery. So that's cool. It's actually kind of separate, which is it, it, it all goes back to kind of Huron Cemetery, too. So as I we talked about before. The Wyandotte Nation separated from the I'll, I'll call it the civilized uh group that decided to stay in the area and that group was called the citizen Wyandotte so citizens meaning citizens of the United States right and so they you know still of course are in the area they they are still active but um at the same time there is the old feud with the Wyandotte that reemerges in the 1990s and it had to do with the 7th Street Casino and I just think that is the weirdest yet coolest thing ever so because I, I mean, I just figure Wyandotte was Wyandotte was Wyandotte. Like you're all one right, tribe, exactly. And you like to make money off gambling. That's what I thought. I was wrong. So the Seventh Street Casino emerges, and they wanted they actually bought the land, and this is the Wyandotte Nation of Oklahoma buys the land to like it was a Masonic lodge. They buy the land and immediately go to the government and say like. We're making this a casino. And and the, how they did it was they went to the government first and said, hey, we're going to need to have tribal status in Kansas again. On this this specific building mm-hmm. <laughs> needs tribal status. That's and it. That's is- the only tribal status that the Oklahoma Wyandots have is the, is the casino. In Kansas. They That's still what I'm have saying. Yeah, yeah, Oklahoma. Right. yeah, yeah. So just the casino property. So they started gambling without really getting the proper channels and they got raided. They were doing it out of like side, you know, RV set up like mobile gambling was happening. Mm-hmm. So they got in a little bit of trouble for that. But in any in any case, this all emerges and, and they opened, I think, in 2008. Is when Seventh Street. I can't believe it's been that long. Because long uh, I remember when that thing opened. It was like I remember the controversy, because it's like, of course, people in downtown KCK, they're like, it's across the street from the courthouse. Like it right. could not be 
<laughs> more out of place. But I mean, some people were supportive of it because it was going to bring business to downtown KCK. And I don't know why, you know, a lot of people would go there otherwise. But at the same time, the citizen Wyandots in, in that were actually living amongst us, if you will, were like, we need to reformulate ourselves and so they did and they became they're now known as the Wyandotte Nation of Kansas and they make it very clear if you google it they make it very clear on their website that they have pledged to not do any gambling operations <laughs> in their state and they also say like we're not connected to that stuff so they still are pretty much separate and if you think about it it all kind of goes back the te the tension was all over whether or not to remove graves essentially for financial gain in the middle of, you know, Kansas City, Kansas. It's pretty cool to discover something new in your own hometown. It's pretty cool to see something that you've never seen before. So the next time you're in downtown KCK, you're hitting up that 7th Street Casino, make sure you check out the Huron Cemetery and look at all the history that that cemetery brings to Kansas City. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 